Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. My name is Ophelia Hukini. She, her, and hers are my pronouns. I'm going to take a seat this morning, um, but I hope that I will still uh, keep your attention. It's not going to be too long of a message. I hope you all can hear me. Can you hear me? I know last week I was kind of quiet. All right. Thank you. Um, Oh, I forgot to finish introducing myself. She, her, and hers are my pronouns. Um, I am the worship coordinator here at Hope Gateway. And this week, we are continuing our summer series on how water shows up in all sorts of ways in Scripture, and what this very essential component of life has to tell us both in antiquity and today. Last week, Sarah preached about the epic story of Paul, who was shipwrecked off the coast of Malta, and then the, was it 267 individuals? 276, thank you. Individuals who survived, don't want to forget any of them. So that's every passenger that was aboard that fated vessel. This week, we're going to reach back over a thousand years from that story to talk about the Israelites under the guidance of Joshua, a spiritual and military leader and also a spy. Um, The water at which the Israelites find themselves is at the western bank of the Jordan River, which is a deeply important waterway that connects the Sea of Galilee in the north and the Dead Sea in the south. The Israelites are closer to the Dead Sea end of things, and their former leader, Moses, who is succeeded by Joshua, told them that they're going to overtake this mighty city of Jericho on the other side of the river and then establish that land as their homeland, what is known to them as their promised land. The contingency that Joshua is leading across the river is the whole combined 12 tribes of Israel. So that includes the eastern tribes who previously didn't want to inhabit the promised land at all, and who said they were just fine where they were. So it means a lot that all 12 tribes have banded together in this pursuit of the promised land. Although the eastern tribes didn't wish to settle with everybody else, they want to stay in the lands where they were at, Um, they actually agreed to Moses' mission, which would then become Joshua's mission. So that's the context in which we find ourselves at the start of the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is this retelling of Joshua's leadership over the tribes of Israel, and it begins right after Moses' death. So at this point, Joshua is um, in the middle of his life. Over 40 years ago, he crossed the Red Sea with Moses. And now, at the banks of the Jordan River, he is the successor to Moses and the leader of the combined Israelite peoples. So I imagine that he must have remembered the parting of the Red Sea and what a miracle that must have seemed to be. And I imagine that that memory must have lingered while they wandered for 40 years through desert wilderness. I imagine that 40 years is a long time to be um, without a place to call home. 
It's a long time to be carting around not only your loved ones and all your possessions, but also the most important religious and cultural belongings of your whole people, all the proof that you all ever existed. I imagine that for 40 years, they told a lot of stories, since storytelling was a large part of Jewish heritage. Stories about where they'd come from, how God was not yet done with them, maybe stories about what was to come. So God tells Joshua to continue this long quest that his people have undertaken, and he passes this instruction on to the Israelites, and at last they come upon the banks of the Jordan River, which is deeper than they can cross on foot. In some places, I googled this, because I was like, how, how deep is this really? I see a lot of people being baptized in the Jordan River, I don't know. So in some places, you can wade across. In some places, it's more than 10 feet deep. There are some places where it gets as deep as 17 feet, so way over our heads. I imagine that with all of their supplies, with their tents, with people of varying health circumstances and abilities, they must have thought, this is too much. And also, of great importance, they had brought with them the Ark of the Covenant. The chest referred to in the coming passages is this Ark of the Covenant. It's a massive chest of wood and gold lifted on the shoulders of at least four people. It was really heavy, and it was really, really holy. A physical manifestation of the Israelites' belief that God was always with them. So now we're going to pick up the scripture, word for word, at Joshua chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and then we're going to skip ahead, 20 through 24. Joshua called for the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one man per tribe. Joshua said to them, cross over into the middle of the Jordan, up to the Lord your God's chest. And again, that's the Ark of the Covenant. Each of you lift up a stone on his shoulder to match the number of the tribes of the Israelites. This will be a symbol among you. In the future, your children may ask, what do these stones mean to you? Then you will tell them that the water of the Jordan was cut off before the Lord's covenant chest. When it crossed over the Jordan, the water of the Jordan was cut off. These stones will be an enduring memorial for the Israelites. And then they skip a little bit. Joshua set up at Gilgal those 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask their parents, what about these stones? Then you will let your children know, Israel crossed over the Jordan here on dry ground. This was because the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you crossed over. This was exactly what the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. He dried it up before us until we crossed over. This happened so that all the earth's peoples might know that the Lord's power is great and that you may always revere the Lord your God. Oh, side note, um, in some translations, it says, you may always fear the Lord your God. I really like that this translation helps us to remember that isn't like a quavering, like quaking fear, it's reverence. So Joshua repeats himself. He says it once when they just crossed the river. He says it again when they set up camp at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho, right? That big city that they're coming upon. He says, 
There will come a time when your children will ask you what these stones mean. And this is the Ebenezer that Sarah was referring to earlier. This Ebenezer, the structure of stones, this monument of remembrance. When they ask you, be prepared to give an answer. The people of Israel constructed reminders of where they'd been, where they'd come from, and they once again miraculous journey across uncrossable waters. When they ask you, be prepared to give an answer. Remember, Joshua was saying, remember when you touched, when you walked upon the dry and parted bottom of the river. Remember who was with you on that day. God was there. And those tribes that are not your own, but that are nonetheless your people, they were all there too. Remember that you did not make this journey alone. Remember that all of us were there. Remember that you crossed the Jordan River after 40 years of wandering and being lost. Joshua is implying, remember that prior to those 40 years, you were enslaved and your whole people labored to build your oppressor's kingdom. Remember that by crossing, we leave behind oppression. The Israelites still had enormous trials before them. The other bank of the river was not their end goal. They knew that soon to come was a massive military confrontation with a mighty city, Jericho. There would be plenty of times in the future when they'd collectively need a reminder of where they'd come from and of God's presence with them. The stones, therefore, the Ebenezer, were a way of telling their story. Joshua reminded the Israelites, this is the story of us. This is the story of how we made it across once again. And I think his encouragement to the Israelites is an encouragement that we could stand to remember ourselves. The Afghan-American historian Tamim Ansari said that history is a work of consensus, that our shared history is a story we must invent. It matters, the story that we tell ourselves about where we came from and what we have overcome. It matters that we can imagine a picture behind the stars and call that picture a constellation. The way we connect the dots is the story of our past and our present. A shared history is a precious, precious thing. Joshua's invitation to the Israelites is an invitation to create a shared history. In a way, all of that First Testament is an attempt to create a shared history out of many books and many authors across time. Joshua's encouragement to the Israelites gifts us with an invitation today, too. It's an individual and a collective invitation because this is not a story of individual salvation. This was a story of collective liberation. So when the rivers in our lives, our individual or collective lives, have been parted and you find yourself unexpectedly on dry land, remember what you have overcome. Remember who was with you. Remember that God was also present. Remember that you did not go this trial alone. 
in the wintertime in a season when maybe cranberries won't even grow, remember the sweet fragrance of what was growing and what is promised to grow again in seasons to come. Remember how you've been ferried across, lest we forget what it feels like to be standing on dry land in the middle of a raging river, lest we forget what it feels like to be held in the embrace of a loving and nurturing God. In just a second, I'm gonna finish talking and Kelly will play a piano solo. I encourage you to sit during that time um, in contemplation with that invitation. What is the river that God has parted in your own life or that of your community? Whether your community is your faith community, your neighborhood, your family, or another group with which you share a collective history. What is the river that God has ferried you across? Who was with you? Were you alone? At any point, did you understand God's presence with you? And what is the story? What is the history that is coming to life through you? What shall be your Ebenezer? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.